Our text today is one of the many texts that we will read as our anchor text for this sermon. So uh, may I request the congregation to please stand. I know you cannot read with me loudly, but please uh, read with me silently as we will be reading Luke chapter 7, verses 4 to 1 to 50, and I will be reading from the English Standard Version. And if you're at home, please read with me. Luke chapter 7, verse 41 to 43, and then later on to 50. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. May the Lord be worshipped and praised by the reading of his word, and let us come to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the reading of your word. Today, Lord, as we listen to you, as we learn from you, open our hearts, illumine our souls, so that we may know your word and apply them in our lives. Be with your people today and hide your servant as I speak your word today, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let us all be seated. Um, last week, we have been blessed by God through Brother Val, and uh, he shared about being strong and courageous in the Lord. And indeed, it is a commandment for us to be strong and courageous, and that we can rely, depend, uh, and there's nothing to fear in God. And this thought is particularly apt for this message because we need that strength and courage to go on with our life. As God rebuilds our life as we obey him, as we depend on him, a lot of courage is needed. A lot of strength is needed as we rebuild our life, as God rebuilds our life. But the good news is this. We need not depend on our own strength. We need not depend on our own courage. God will grant us and will give us all the courage that we need to go on with our lives. And as we embark on our last topic on this series, Rebuilding, we want to discover how God would rebuild our lives. And today we would look at Jesus, the master builder. And I say the great master builder, I did not use superlatives here because 
I think he isn't comparable to anyone. There's no one beside Jesus. He is the great, there's no one beside him. So today, allow me to bring you stories of men and women whom God rebuilt. These men and women had an encounter with Jesus, and that encounter with the Master rebuilt their lives, and their lives were forever changed. And most of you, perhaps, with these stories that I will give you, perhaps most of you are familiar with these stories, but I don't want truth to be obscured or to be hidden just because you are familiar with the stories. We are rescuing truth from familiarity. And sometimes with that familiarity also, we fail to see the depth and breadth of these stories, of these narratives in the Bible. And I have particularly entitled this sermon, Jesus, Life's Great Master Builder, precisely because Jesus is a son of a carpenter and most likely he would have been exposed to this trade. Jesus perhaps knows carpentry. And it is no coincidence that he is a son of a carpenter and perhaps most likely he knows carpentry. Because I find that very poetic in the narrative of God, that Jesus is a carpenter because he is the master builder. There is one quote that I've read I don't know if I remember it correctly, but this is the quote. I've read it one time while reading in the library. It goes like this. Jesus is the great carpenter who built my life out from the rough lumbers of my soul. And that is true. Jesus is the great carpenter that would build our lives out from the rough lumbers of our soul. And I will bring you these stories of men and women. How did the encounter with Jesus change their lives? How did Jesus expose in their lives, what Jesus exposed in their lives that changed them? What is that wound, that longing, that lack, that entire void that Jesus filled wholly and fully and made their lives complete. What is that singular thing that God opened into their hearts, into the hearts of these men and women that build their lives again? And so I have these stories, stories of men and women. And I will start my story first with this story of the Samaritan woman in Jacob's well. We could find this narrative in John chapter 4, verses 1 to 42. And for the interest of time, we won't be reading them. But I hope that you are somewhat familiar with this story. If not, please do read John chapter 4, verses 1 to 42. And I'll summarize you the story. First and foremost, you know, the description of the woman here is a Samaritan. And you know, the Samaritans and the Jews don't see eye to eye because the Samaritans are religious outcasts in that society. And the Samaritan woman is at the bottom of that caste system, the bottom of the society. If you have a male a Jew and a male Samaritan, of course, the uh, male Jew would somehow prevail in that uh, society. 
And here you are, you have a Samaritan woman, I mean a Jewish woman, and a Samaritan woman, of course, the Jewish woman would prevail. So at, in, this, in this sense, the Samaritan woman is at the bottom of the society. In a male-dominated society, in a very patriarchal society, the Samaritan woman being a religious outcast is at the bottom of this barrel. And of course, there is a religious and ethnic divide. Because, you know, the Jews would have that pride and pomp to say, uh, you're Samaritan, we don't see you eye to eye. You're half-bred. And Jesus met this Samaritan woman in the well, in the midday of the sun, in the midday of the day. Imagine the heat of that, all of that. And they had this very interesting uh, conversation. Um, when Jesus met the Samaritan, Jesus asked the, the woman of drink. And for some reasons, the Samaritan recognized him as a Jew. He said, why are you asking a Jewish male, asking a, a Samaritan woman of a drink? And then Jesus said, if he knows asking you, you would ask drink from him instead. And so the woman became very interested with this. I want that drink. I want that everlasting, overflowing drink. Because I don't want to go this well anymore. And of course, you know the narrative, you would go there in the heat of the sun. And of course, you would know by tradition that perhaps he was hiding something. And that is very interesting conversation because they were just asking, Jesus was asking for a physical drink. Give me a drink. And then the woman answered, a physical answer. Why are you asking me for a water, for a drink? And Jesus elevated the conversation to say that I'm giving you an eternal water. But the woman did not get that. I said, I want that trick. Perhaps in her mind, he wanted to get that trick so that he would not go to the well anymore. And somehow in the conversation, and this became very interesting, Jesus, as you would notice in the narrative, digressed a bit. Not a bit actually, digressed. They were talking about water, right? They were talking about thirst. They're talking about the well, the one that will quench their thirst, the physical water. Water in uh, a scientific notation is, is that um, hydrogen? Hydrogen, right? Uh, sorry? Am I right? No, it's not. I mean, anyway, why did I even say that? Now I'm... I'm I'm, I'm in the middle of a, a rut now. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember my career. But they were talking about the physical water. And then there's an interesting conversation. Jesus asked her, call your husband. Anong kinalaman ng tubig sa asawa? Sabi ng babae, the woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right. Because you had five husbands, the story did not tell whether he, she was widowed five times or she left the husband five times. The Bible did not say that. I don't know if you've read it in the story, but so far I did not read what happened to the five husbands. And the one that you're living in with right now is not your husband. Parang living partner niya, hindi ko alam kung kabit siya, pardon me for my language, or whatever, he's a paramour or what. And suddenly, the woman was exposed. Sino itong lalaking ito? Nakipag-usap sa akin, sa kainitan ng araw, ang hinihingi ko lang ay tubig. Bakit napunta ang buhay ko dito? 
And so, that conversation changed. At ang sabi ng babae, it appears to me you're a prophet. And since in a way that you're a prophet, you know, our ancestor taught us to worship in this place. You know, what's the relationship between the thirst for water and bringing in the conversation about the husband? Because Jesus is elevating the conversation to something like this. He is saying, you are not just thirsty with the physical water. You are actually thirsty for relationship. And that is why you had five, and the one you're in right now is not your husband. You are thirsty for relationship. And then suddenly, the conversation turned again to worship. And that is precisely why Jesus brought the conversation to worship. Because since that you are thirsty for relationship, the answer to that to the thirst for relationship is this, worship. Why? Because worship is essentially a call to relationship. And so, Jesus answered the woman's longing for relationship by telling the woman, what you need is not a man. What you need is not a husband, it's not a living partner. You are precisely thirsty for a relationship. And that relationship could be answered by worship, the worship of true God. And so Jesus said, but without you knowing that person to whom you would have your relationship with, do you think you could worship him? Do you think you could love him? Because you can only worship, and I've said this many times, you could only worship the person that you love. And so, that is why Jesus brought into the conversation from the issue of thirst to relationship. The thirst for relationship could only be answered by worship. And so, we've seen here that Jesus precisely answered the thirst of this woman. She was really thirsty for God. She was really belonging for it because worshiping God, to worship God, is to have a real, loving relationship with Him. Because worship is life. Worship is about relationship with God. This is the encounter uh, that this woman had with Jesus. For the Samaritan woman, Jesus changed the way the way she would worship God. The Samaritan's woman's definition of worship was rebuilt. In, in, in return, her relationship was restored and rebuilt. This is the way for her to be rebuilt, for God to redefine what worship is for her, and to all Samaritans for that matter. These outcasts. God is restoring her to a relationship through worship. 
You know, it is not coincidental in the story, as an aside in the story, the mention of Jacob's well. Remember in the story, it was mentioned. It was not coincidence. The writer particularly said that it's Jacob's well because I believe the mention of Jacob's well is a claim of this religious outcast, the Samaritans, this marginalized half-bred people called the Samaritans, this is their claim to the covenant of God. They too are children of Abraham. They were too from the lineage of Jacob. That claim to the covenantal relationship with God was restored and was rebuilt by Jesus Christ with this encounter with this woman. They are not excluded anymore. This is not about who they are as ethnic people, as Samaritans. Worship is not that. Relationship with God is not where you're coming from, who you are. This is about God. If you worship Him truly, deeply, you have a relationship with Him. You know, that is what Jesus' encounter is all about. That when you meet Jesus, the conversation would suddenly change. It is no longer about what you did. It is no longer about who you were. Where did you come from? What family did you come from? What's your pedigree? What's your lineage? Hindi ito about kung Bisaya ka o Ilocano ka o isang American, Singaporean, or Filipino. Jesus is no respecter of person. Whether you're holding a blue passport or a maroon one, he doesn't care. The conversation changes when you had an encounter with Jesus. And it's always life-changing. There's a change of mind. There's a change of heart. There's real repentance, metanoia. And we have discussed that. And I will say this, like the Samaritan woman, we have defined ourselves sometimes with the relationships that we've had. Whether in the past or in the present. Asawa ako ni ganito, anak ako ni ganito. Or in the past, dati yung asawa ko ganito, iniwan ako only to find out you've defined yourself with your husband, your relationship with that person only to find out that person is cheating you. And you were so utterly devastated because you have defined yourself to that person. Even sa mga anak ninyo, your life revolved around your children. I'm not saying it's bad, it's good. But sometimes, yung sinabi ni Pastor Ruel, remember in the, sometimes we love our family so much to the point of idolizing them. You've defined yourself so much with these people and you put your value and your worth with these people only to find out na ibebetray ka ng asawa mo, magiging suwail yung mga anak mo and your children will be wayward and you were utterly devastated. Jesus is telling this to the woman, you are more than your relationships. You, your value does not depend on the relationship, relationship that you've had or the relationship that you have at the moment. Your relationship with Jesus would matter more. And so, this is liberating for us. If you're a person who's looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, it is liberating that you don't need one to be happy. 
You don't need relationship to define you. You only need Jesus. That relationship with matter. So if you're a person who's really searching for a meaningful relationship, I will tell you this, and I think all of you will agree with me, you can never find that in a person. You will always be frustrated by people. I have said this many times. My wife would always get frustrated with me. But I'm so happy she's a Christian because otherwise, it would have been very difficult for her. But that is the essence of an encounter with Jesus. So this woman's worship was revealed by Jesus, brought about by her encounter with Jesus. That's the first story. I'll bring you also to this second story. This story of this tax collector. You know, the tax collector um, is despised by people. And, you know, tax collectors in, during those times are in a double whammy. You know why? Because for the Jews, these people are, are uh, you know, in our parlance, in Tagalog, parang makapili. They are despised and hated by their people because they are agents, agents of the Roman Empire. They exact money from them. So, people like Matthew are being hated by many people. But at the same time, for the empire, for the Roman Empire, they're just mere utilities. They, the, the Romans don't care about their tax collectors. So long as you collect for us, that's all that we need. We don't care whether you extort money. We don't care whether what you, you get from these people, you deceive them, whatever. We don't care. You collect money from us. You keep what you own. Babay tayo, we're all okay. Matthew is in that situation. He was hated by his own kababayan, his own people, but he's just mere utility. He's not even important to the Roman Empire that he's serving. So he's in the middle. People would see him, look at him with derision and hatred. And perhaps for Matthew, tax collection was his only livelihood, his only identity. And look at what happened when Jesus went to the tax booth of Matthew. Who went to the tax booth of Matthew, by the way? Was it Matthew or Jesus went to him? Jesus went to him. For Matthew, Tax collection or collecting tax is the only livelihood that he got. This is his bread and butter. Then when Jesus came and went to his booth and bid him to follow him, Matthew had an encounter with Jesus. Matthew left his only livelihood. So you would ask this. Matthew perhaps would have heard about him, about Jesus. But when Jesus came into the booth, there is something perhaps the way Jesus looked at Matthew. This time, Matthew felt perhaps that he is no longer looked upon by this person with hatred, derision, or mockery. Jesus 
when, when he asked Matthew to follow him, he looked at him with mercy, with love, with compassion. And by just that one look, just asking him to follow him, Matthew left the tax booth and never returned. And we know he never returned. Matthew obeyed Jesus. When I, when I was discussing this with Pastor Well, he told me that it's beautiful because from um, encounter, encountering Jesus to following Jesus. That is what was rebuilt into the life of Matthew. If what was rebuilt into the life of that Samaritan woman was worship, Matthew was led to obedience. The encounter with Jesus led Matthew to total obedience. I said total obedience, I said total surrender because he left his livelihood. It's difficult to live your livelihood, your only bread and butter. But Matthew was able to do that because he knew, he felt mercy, love, and compassion in the eyes of Jesus. He felt that he needs to obey Jesus. Jesus stopped and called Matthew from where he was, from the tax booth, the scene of the crime, where he would extort money, where he would probably get money from the people of Israel, from the Jewish people, and give it to the Romans. Jesus called him right at the very scene of his crime. He called him and he obeyed. Jesus called him to obedience. You know, Jesus' call to Matthew was really life-changing. And it changed his life forever. You know, that is the beauty of God's grace. It is not about us coming to God. It is God coming to us. Because if we are the one coming to God, that is not grace, that is works. But this is what grace is all about. God coming to us, taking the form of humanity, became like us, suffered, tempted in every way, died and buried and rose again so that he could meet us where we are at in our humanity. That is grace. That is Jesus' encounter with us. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, let me just ask you, where is God meeting you today? Perhaps, like Matthew, you are just into the monotony of life. For the Samaritan woman, it's about looking for relationship. But for Matthew, perhaps, being an outcast and being in the life of boredom. Paulit-ulit yung ginagawa niya. Mangungolekta siya ng tax. Anyway, wala namang tumatanggap sa akin. My own people don't accept me. I am just a mere utility to the empire. I will just stay here. You are striving endlessly and aimlessly. You are searching for something that you don't know. But you're tired. This is the good news. Jesus is coming to your tax booth. And I don't mean you don't pay taxes, huh? The tax booth symbolic of your boredom 
symbolic of your lonely life, your crime, your sin, and all that represents. And Jesus is calling you to this, the rebuilding of your life through obedience. Obey him. Follow him. And so while the Samaritan woman was called to worship, that encounter with Jesus led Matthew to total obedience. He was able to obey Jesus. That rebuilding of his life brought obedience in him. So I will ask this, what areas of your life right now God is asking you and calling you to obedience or to obey him? What is God telling us and telling you, my child, enough, so much of that, you've tasted it, and you know it's not, not bringing you anywhere. Rest, follow me, come, get out of your tax booth, follow me. What areas of your life God is calling you and God is asking you to leave. I hope that the rebuilding of that life will bring us to that obedience. And that would lead me to the third story. And I like this story very much because uh, it's a favorite story that I would tell my Sunday school students while I was still teaching in Sunday school for many, many years. As you know, I was a, for the longest time, Sunday school teacher. In fact, even before I became the chair of this church and uh, became a serv servant of this church and servant of God, I was really a Sunday school teacher. I like this story, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He is the chief tax collector. So if Matthew was hated, he is the most hated of all. He is despised because he's able to extort money. He was the chief. Kung paano natin kinainisan ang mga BIR agents sa Pilipinas, ganun natin dapat kainisan siguro si Matthew. And he was able to deceive a lot of people. Basically, Matthew, if you would ask people who live with him, he would be the most hated man, one of the most hated men in their society. But there's also one very interesting in the life of our dear friend Zacchaeus, and let me call him Zaki. Because Zacchaeus, as you know, and my, those people who had been under my uh, uh, Sunday school class, I think si Jay naging sudyante ko rin sa Sunday school, eh. tama Jay? What is the physical deformity or physical challenge of Zacchaeus? He is, he was a very small man. And that physical deformity um, was very evident because when he wanted to see Jesus, he couldn't see. So, um, I don't know, probably I'm 5'7", and perhaps he's very small because he couldn't see. And with that physical challenge that Zacchaeus had, I would assume, and I am so sure, that people hated him, he's a laughing stock. Of course, we know this, and I know somehow you're guilty with this. I'm not the only one. Please don't tell me I'm the only one. We are all like that. I am pandakeko. Oh, di ba ganyan tayo pag malilita? Oh, tumayo ka naman. Ay, nakatayo ka na pala. 
and even more Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus is hated by people, was hated by many people. So there's a physical challenge with him. He's not just hated, he was mocked. He's a laughing stock. He wanted to see Jesus. Perhaps Zacchaeus, like Matthew, like the Samaritan woman, they were all outcasts. And so he said, he would, he's probably very rich, but he's very lonely. He's an outcast. Malamang, nakatalikod siya, pinagtatawanan siya. Naranasan niyo na ba sa buhay niyo yun? Na pinagtatawanan kayo dahil sa inyong physical deformity, kung meron man, napin niyo, ang laki-laki ng ulo ko, ang laki ng mata ko, ang laki ng ilong ko, hindi, wala akong flawless skin. Hindi kasi ako nag, uh, ayaw ko pala magsabi kasi wala pala tayong sponsor. Uh, and you, all of those things. And somehow, you would question even your self-identity and even sometimes it would really uh, put down your morale. Yung, yung uh, consciousness would be very, very low because of, your, of that physical challenge that you have. Or perhaps you feel so ugly. Meron mga ganun sa inyo rito na feeling yung pangit-pangit niyo. Um, not really. But Zacchaeus is different. He wanted to see Jesus. So what he did was to climb up a sycamore tree. And the mention of a sycamore tree would describe what kind of tree it was. At ang sycamore tree is a very thorny tree. He did not care. He wanted to see Jesus. And I think he's not just curious. I don't think Zacchaeus was just curious about who Jesus was. He heard about him. He heard that this preacher loves people. He is dining with sinners. But Zacchaeus has no uh, intention of inviting Jesus. But look at the encounter our dear little Zaki uh, uh, met along the way. He just wanted to see Jesus, but that encounter led him to a different thing. Jesus stopped, remember? Looked up in a tree and said, Jesus knows him. He called him by his name. Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm coming to your house today. He did not, Je- did not just see Jesus. Jesus dined with him. Perhaps if you were Jesus, you could imagine how Zacchaeus siguro medyo comical kasi nagmamadali yung, yung maliit na tao, nagmamadaling bumaba sa puno at inuto siguro naghinahawi niya yung mga tao na nagmamadali siya mag-prepare ng banquet for Jesus. And so when he was there, there was something very beautiful Jesus said. And of course, people were saying, why is he now dining with the chief tax collector? Itong si Jesus siguro merong uh, ulterior motive. Ano? Nakikipag-usap sa mga makasalanan, nakikipag- uh, 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 salimbayan, nakikipag-salimuha uh, uh, sa mga, mga makasalanang tao, eto chief. Hindi ko alam kung anong balak ni Jesus. Siguro sinasabi ng mga religious leaders. And so, Jesus made these very assuring words. If you would read the narrative in Luke chapter 19 verses 1 to 10, Jesus said this, He was called Son of Abraham. 
For me, that is assuring for Zacchaeus. Because all his life, he was made a laughingstock. All his life, perhaps, he was just a utility of the Roman Empire like Matthew. For him, to be said that salvation has come to his hand because he's also a son of Abraham, that is also a claim to the covenantal promise of God to this little man. These words are very assuring for him. From being hated to being loved. From being excluded to being included. Son of Abraham. Jesus is saying, this man whom you have excluded, whom the religious leaders have excluded, this man whom you have considered as your laughingstock, itong taong pinagkatawanan nyo, itong taong kinainisan ninyo, is a son of Abraham. He is not excluded from the covenantal promise of God. He too is a recipient of that. That's rebuilding for me par excellence. What made Zacchaeus see Jesus, how Zacchaeus see Jesus is so powerful. That assurance of Jesus led Zacchaeus to repair, to made reparations. Reparations, yad natin sa ating mga vocabulary. And when you hear the word reparation, sounds like repair. Reparation. That Jesus encounter led Zacchaeus to make reparations, to repair. Because Jesus stopped, noticed Zacchaeus, built him, led him to genuine repentance and reparation. The encounter with Jesus led Zacchaeus to genuine repentance. Genuine repentance. At ano ang genuine repentance, di ba? Ang sabi natin, change of mind. Nagkaroon ng bagong pananaw si Zacchaeus. And you know, I love this story because this is what reparation and more is all about. What did Zacchaeus promise to Jesus? How did that encounter with Jesus um, change his life and change the way he sees things. Ang sabi niya ba, I will return to those people I have deceived, to those people whom I have extorted, I will return single portion. No. Double portion. No. Triple portion. No. Quadruple. Four times. That might probably made Zacchaeus bankrupt. He doesn't care. I found the pearl of great price. You could take everything from me. You could bankrupt me. You could take all my possession. I'm willing to give that all up because I found that person who gave me that worth and value. For the first time in my life, hindi na ako pinagtatawanan. For the first time in my life, I am no longer hated. I am loved. That what Jesus' encounter is all about. It's life-changing. And that encounter with Jesus led him to repair, to make reparation. And for me, that is repentance. 
You know, God, as God rebuilds our lives, and this is my question to all of you, this is also a very hard call, particularly to Zacchaeus. Ibabalik ko ng four times, chief tax collector ka, so ilan yung babalikan mo? Zacchaeus probably knew the consequence of that. It would make him bankrupt. Have you realized that? He doesn't care. I found Jesus. I found everything. And this is a hard call. And we could learn from the story of Zacchaeus. Are there people in your life that you need to make reparations? That you need to repair your relationships with? Have you hurt someone? Meron ba kayong sinaktan sa buhay niyo? Meron ba kayong ginawa ng mali? Is there anyone in your life that you sin against that person? You cheated. You robbed. You killed. You hurt so badly. Person whom you have destroyed his or her life. Can we be like Zacchaeus? who made repair. Because when he found Jesus, when he had an encounter with Jesus, it all that matters to him. I'm willing to repair. Even if that would mean all my pride, even though, even that would mean all my possession, I don't care. Jesus gave me everything. Are we willing to give up that pride, that hurt, to set aside that difference, to set, uh, set aside that, that, you know, nurturing. And, you know, sometimes we take good care of our hurt so much. Or sometimes we've hurt someone, galit na galit sa tao na yon, we don't even want to repair relationship. Yung salita na magkalimutan na, nagkasalian na kayo ng kandila. If you had an encounter with Jesus, I believe you could do what Zacchaeus did. You could give up your pride. You could give up all that you've had because you found the person who forgave you. To apologize to someone that you have hurt. And that's difficult. For me, that's difficult. I will not do that. But look at how Jesus, the encounter with Jesus would change the entire conversation, would even change the way we think of our lives. That our pride don't matter anymore. That what we believe in ourselves don't matter anymore. It would lead us to reparation. Not only worship, not only obedience, but reparation. That encounter with Jesus led Zacchaeus repentantly and wholeheartedly to repair, to give reparation for all the mistake and the deceits that he had done with others. Very powerful Bible story. And the fourth story would this be the bleeding woman. And you could read this from Mark 12. For 12 long years, this woman had been physically ailing. And you know she is sick. And because of, of this disease, we would know that she's physically 
uh, ailing and she could not probably stand. And she spent all resources, all her resources to get healed, but to no avail. And you know, the religious and societal implication of that, if you're a bleeding woman in uh, Jewish culture in Leviticus 15, you will be treated as unclean. So for 12 long years, this person, this woman, is also outcast and excluded from the society because she was bleeding and she became very poor now. Pero alam nyo ang storya sa Bible. Kapag excluded ka, pinagtatawanan ka, makasalanan ka, friend ka ni Jesus. Magiging friend ka ni Jesus. So sure. Because Jesus came for you. For them. And so, this woman must have been separated from her family, from her community for 12 long years. 12 long years. And so, this woman, who is very helpless, is not just suffering from physical ailment. Dahil siya excluded from the society, from the religious society, she was also suffering emotionally and psychologically. You know, the pain of this woman, the physical pain of this woman was exacerbated by her exclusion from the community. Pinalala nung kanyang pagisan tabi sa kanya nung komunidad niya, nung kanyang uh, ginagalawang lipunan. Could you imagine that? May sakit ka na, pinandidirian ka pa. Hindi ka pa kasama. But you know, this woman's faith is so persistent. This is the beauty about this person. Her trust with Jesus was so persistent. She probably heard about Jesus. Atong sabi niya, di ba? Mahawakan ko lang yung layla. Just to touch the hem of his clothes, I know I will get healed. That trust, if only I could touch that hem of his clothing, I will get healed. For the woman to touch Jesus, would make him, would make her clean, would make her heal. And how the, the encounter with Jesus changed this woman with all of those crowd. Imagine as she's being, as she was being excluded from the society, as you know that she is considered to be religiously unclean, she could not go into the community, she could not go into a crowd. But what happened was she went into the crowd and then touched perhaps everyone there. And that would make everyone there unclean. What was the encounter with Jesus? The encounter with Jesus was this. Jesus would not have noticed it. Remember the story? Jesus stopped and said, Who touched me? And so the disciples said, Jesus, Purong-puno yung tao, oh. Tapos tarumok sino humipo sa, eh, you know, people are pressing against each other. Who said that who touched you? But Jesus is not interested with the many people. He, he was interested with this particular woman. This woman is due for her encounter with Jesus. The encounter is that Jesus paused and noticed that he was touched but instead of condemning, sabihin sa kanya, you made me unclean. 
Ba't mo ka hinawakan, rabbi ako? Why did you even touch me? I'm a rabbi. Now I could not perform all my religious duties because you've touched me. No, Jesus didn't say that. He healed her and rebuilt her because of her persistent trust or faith in Him. That encounter with Jesus rebuilt her life again by that persistent, tenacious faith. The woman was rebuilt through her trust in Jesus Christ. And that's beautiful. Because in the end, Jesus not only healed her physically, because remember, hindi lang naman yung nag-heal dun sa babae. It's not only the physical ailment. It's also the exclusion. The psychological exclusion. And you know the story. When Jesus found out that it was the woman, the woman was actually trembling. Natatakot siya. The Bible said she was trembling. Perhaps the woman was afraid that a mob would come to her and because she touched so many people, she touched so many people that would be unclean, perhaps, siguro sabi niya, hindi ako mamamatay sa sakit, mamamatay ako, na ibamab akong tao, papatayin ako siguro sa bato or whatever, bubugbugin ako. She was very, very afraid. And in front of that crowd, what uh, did Jesus say? Daughter. The first words the very first word that this woman heard from someone and from Jesus is the word daughter. That restored her to the community. Not only healed her physically, but also socially, emotionally, and wholeheartedly, I would say. And in life, we are also like this woman. I don't know. Perhaps many of you are like this woman naman. You are impeded or stopped or limited by your ailment. Meron kayong sakit. And you feel so worthless because of the ailment that you have. Hindi nyo na nagagawa yung dati nyo nagagawa kasi may sakit na kayo. You were probably battling a disease that uh, would restrict your movement with people and that uh, somehow made you feel worthless and valueless in your family. Dati, ikaw ang breadwinner. Ngayon, hindi ka na naasahan. Tapos ang tingin mo sa sarili mo, ang bababa kasi sinusubuan ka na lang. Oh, you know, or perhaps our own relatives, our own parents would feel that way. They may be perhaps like this woman. And you are also yearning for a building, for that physical healing. We wanted that, that healing not just because we wanted to be strong again, but because somehow we attach our value to our strength. We attach our lives to what we can do. And that encounter with Jesus changed that. You may have that ailment. You may have that physical restriction. You might have probably and think that you have neglected your family because of that physical ailment. But you know, Jesus heals. I don't mean that God will heal every time we ask for healing. Physically. But I am so sure that Jesus will always heal us. Heal us not only physically, 
and but you know spiritually. That is the healing Jesus is interested in. Of course, we could claim for healing for our families, and, and don't get me wrong with that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. If you are yearning for healing, this is the good news for you. Jesus heals. And so many, so many stories we've heard that through prayers, God and Jesus healed them. But more than your physical healing, Jesus is interested in your spiritual healing. To be freed emotionally, to be freed and to be healed uh, psychologically, I think that is wonderful healing. And so we see that this woman, woman's encounter with Jesus rebuilt her through her trust, restored her, and made her back to the community. What a wonderful way to be rebuilt. And our last story, as we will be ending, was from this woman who anointed Jesus. You know the story, um, this woman in Luke chapter 7, there's also uh, different narratives about the woman who anointed Jesus. I will just focus on Luke uh, chapter 7. The Bible did not say why she was considered by the people as a sinner, but of course, sinner, usually we would see them by their morality. Perhaps she was a prostitute or she was an adulteress, and how unfair somehow that we would always look women, sinners, if they would always be equated, and they would always be equated with that kind of sins. But she's a sinner. Um, that's a typical view of this woman in the Bible. And she's looked down by the society. And like many characters that we have just encountered today, she was drawn to the person of Jesus Christ. She lived a life of sin and she wanted to be forgiven. She entered and broke the scene while Jesus was having a dinner and the Pharisees was all, were also there. And suddenly, she anointed Jesus' feet. She cried and wiped Jesus' feet, anointed Jesus' feet with oil and wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. And that's our text. And the Pharisees were saying, if your rabbi, if Jesus knows who this person is, she would, he would not have allowed this woman to touch him. And sabi ni Jesus, very beautifully, because she was forgiven more, she would love much. Doon sa pinagbigyan ng mas malaki, sino ang mas malaking utang? Yung umutang ng 50 dinari. And so for this woman to be forgiven is everything. To be pardoned. She would do everything and anything as an act of gratitude to thank Jesus to thank the Master for that forgiveness. And look at how that Jesus encountered. Jesus allowed that woman to come to him, to anoint him. Her, he rebuilt her because of her humility and faith in him. He, she was rebuilt because of that humility. So this woman's encounter with Jesus gave this woman the opportunity to be rebuilt. And it was manifested through her humility. 
You see how humble she was? She entered the scene, she went inside the room, and instead of saying, Jesus, by the way, I'm so sorry, she didn't say that. She went into the feet of Jesus. That humility, that faith translated to humility. She went there, wept, and anointed Jesus. This encounter allowed this sinner, this woman, to be with Jesus. She anointed him. And through that act of humility and faith, she was forgiven. Her life was rebuilt. And so like us, and that's the beauty about encounter with Jesus. We are not defined anymore by our past mistakes. We are no longer defined of what we did before. No matter how good they were, or no matter how bad they were, Jesus shaped those rough and ugly past, like what I have, like perhaps what you have, and we were all forgiven. And so, it is not just worship that was rebuilt into the life of that Samaritan woman. It is not just obedience for Matthew, the tax collector, to lead him that, that led him to obedience. It is not only reparation that led, Ma, that led Zacchaeus to make reparations to the bleeding woman to restore, to restore her to the community by her faith and trust. And to the woman who anointed Jesus, that faith shown in her humility that gave her freedom and forgiveness. God restored them all. God did not just restore their worship, their obedience, did not just make them repair their mistake, did not just build their trust or her trust, did not just lead them to humility and faith. Jesus gave them this. Jesus gave them worth. That worth. To rebuild is to be given worth. When I say worth, I don't just mean value. Because if we would look into the life, lives of our story, like the Martin, Samaritan woman, you cannot find worth there. You cannot find value with your relationships in the past or in the present. For Matthew, you cannot find value or worth with your occupation or with what you do or with your present time now. For Zacchaeus, you cannot find worth in your possession or on the other side, your physical disability. For the bleeding woman, you cannot find your worth or value or boast in your health or be impeded by your ailment or your inclusion or exclusion from the society. And for that woman who anointed the oil, definitely she could not find her worth or value in her past or in what she did. So our worth, when I say worth, it is not just about value. When we say worth, we must always find our worth in our identity. We must find value, our worth, as God would rebuild our lives. We should find our worth in our 
identity. And this identity, my dear brothers and sisters, is not about who you are. It is not about what you did. It is not about what you've had or what you have, your relationship whatsoever. Your identity, your worth, a new and rebuilt identity as you know can only be found and must be deeply rooted in Jesus Christ. He is the source of your worth, of your value, not in what you have, not about your past, not what you own, not what you are right now. That is not your worth. Your worth, your identity is in Jesus Christ. And we have found, and we know this in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. God has revealed us. The new has come. The old has gone. The new has come. The new is here. And this is the promise to, for all of us. Those people like us who have been rebuilt by God, whose identity, value, and worth is in Jesus Christ. This is the promise of God in Psalms chapter 147, verses 2 to 3. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He builds up. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. And He made this promise true in our stories. And what we have just read in the um, offering... And this is the promise also of God to all of us. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God is in the business of rebuilding people's lives. He is in the business of finding outcasts and gathers them. Are you an outcast? Do you feel you're socially excluded? Do you feel you're worthless? Do you feel you're valueless? This is the good news. Jesus will give you your worth. Not on yourself, but in himself, on himself, with his identity. At sino yung nagbibigay sa inyo ng bagong identity? The son of the living God, the Messiah. So Jesus promised this. And I hope as you find value in Jesus Christ, as you would find Jesus as the source of your identity, I hope as we end, we would all say this. That we would be able to say that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To see our identity and worth and value in this crucified Christ. To see our worth and real value in the Messiah. That my life, no matter how bad it was, or how good it was, how glorious it was, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, who gave me that value, who gave me that worth, who restored my worship, who led me to obedience, who would lead me to repair, to reparation, who would put trust in me so that I could trust and have faith in him, and who would lead me to humility and confidence and faith in Jesus Christ. Find your identity. Root your identity into Jesus who loved you 
and gave himself to you. And so I will end. Jesus is the real definition of our worth. That is the way Jesus would rebuild you. He would rebuild your worth, your value, through your identification, through your identity with him. Let it be anchored to the Son of God. Let it be anchored to the Messiah. Celebrate, my dear brothers and sisters, that God-given worth. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today because you have given us and rebuilt our lives by first tackling the greatest impediment in the way we see ourselves, and that is our worth. And Lord, may our worth be anchored and deeply rooted in our identity in you. Like what we have seen in the lives of these characters that we have just studied. The Samaritan woman no longer finds herself as a social outcast or a religious outcast because of her ethnicity. She found her identity in you. For Matthew, who was a tax collector, he no longer finds himself and identifies himself as a sinner, a tax collector, a despised and a hated man, he found his identity and worth in you. For Zacchaeus, who made a lot of mistakes, who deceived a lot of people, who's physically mocked because of his being a short and small man, Lord, you have rebuilt him, restored him, because he found himself in you. And the two women, the bleeding woman who's impeded by a physical ailment, who became bankrupt because she spent all her resources finding a cure for her ailment, excluded from the society, but no more. She found her healing in you. She found her sinner woman who anointed you and your feet with oil. She's no longer defined by her past, no longer defined by what she did. She found her worth, her value in you. You have encountered them all, Lord. You stopped, you paused, you went into the tax booth, you've allowed these people to dine with you. You've allowed, Lord God, these people to come near you. You've encountered each and every one of us where we at, where we are. We did not come to you. You came to us, rescued us. And from that worthless, sinful, full of misery life, bored life, converse with us in the well. You dined with us. And Lord, you met us. 
and condemn us anymore. To be forgiven. To give everything that we've had because we are forgiven. And to feel that forgiveness in you. Father, I pray that you will touch your people today. That you would be with your people today. I pray, Lord God, and make them feel your forgiveness, your love, your mercy, and your compassion. And if they have not yet encountered you, Lord, make that encounter. And like all of us here have encountered you, it will be life-changing encounter. Their lives will never be the same ever again. They will find you because you have first found us. And we will be able to make reparations. We will be able to give up all our mistakes. You will give us new life. We thank you, Father, for this wonderful truth that we have discovered today and every day. Thank you. We want to glorify you, worship you, and praise you. In the name of you, our Savior, our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Let us all stand and receive God's benediction. May the God of all grace, who has called you, to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. In the name of our God, our triune God who restored and rebuilt us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And those of you who have been rebuilt and found Jesus Christ, reply in your hearts, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Thank you, my dear brothers and sisters, for joining us today. Thank you for all of you who are here, and we praise God. Join us again next week as we celebrate the newness and the rebuilding of our lives in Jesus Christ. Uh, may God be worshipped and praised, and see you again next week. Thank you so much.